0: What you would commonly expect from us is to usually have a serious, straight-laced face. That's the, I think, German and Austrian way. But at least once a year, we'll go completely nuts. It's the fifth season. Harry. This is the podcast of the Germanic American Institute.
1: Welcome.
0: We're Germanic-speaking European countries:
1: Germany, Deutschland, Deutschland. Austria, Österreich, Switzerland, Schweiz
0: blend with the Midwestern United States.
1: hello, hello. hello. servus, Grüezi.
0: We are here and there, and we invite you to come along on the journey. The fifth season is our carnival season, where we just let our hair down, have fun, go dancing, dress up, and just do things that are perhaps a little bit uncharacteristic for who we actually perceived to be. I can't just alone speak educatedly about Carnival, so I do have reinforcements here. We have Bastian back in the studio. Bastian, welcome. Thank you. Hello. And Claudia. Guten talk. Let's talk Carnival. Carnival is the fifth season. It's huge. It's celebrated. It is our opportunity to com- completely go crazy and just do things we commonly don't do. And let me just plug right away in the beginning our carnival dance party because it is one of the things we do once a year. And it takes place February 8th, 8 p.m. through 1 a.m., so later than usual. It's 21 and older, which should give you a little bit of an indication. Tickets are $15 a person, and it is an amateur drag competition. Claudia, can you tell us more about that?
1: Yeah, so in true German fashion, we you know we host a party here in uh, in line with the carnival parties in Germany, and uh, in Germany people are encouraged to dress up any which way they please, and a lot of that then brings with it you know that uh, people dress uh, in, in ways that they wouldn't normally dress or behave in ways they wouldn't normally behave. And uh, drag is actually you know, a popular thing to do at Carnival in Germany. So tying in with that, we are doing a, a drag contest. And then, uh, Gunther, if you can remind me on the sheet, there's actually information that uh, um, p- as part of the contest, we are donating all of our proceeds to a, a non that...
0: It is actually not on the sheet here, or is it? Let me just hand this
1: over. Yes, it's called Just oh. Us Health. So all of the proceeds. So uh, it the participation is free, but uh, for every person who will participate in the amateur drag competition, we will donate our proceeds to Just Us Health, or we will donate $50 to Just Us Health. So... Come in your best drag, participate in the contest, and for everybody who uh, signs up, GI will donate fifty dollars to Justice Health.
0: Awesome! And we do have Electra Cute, Victoria Deville, and um, Blacklight Disco yep. here at the GI. Now, we, this is not the first time we're doing this, right?
1: You mean the Carnival Tanz Party? Correct. Yeah, that has a long history. It had different names before. It was called, you know, Winterfest or something. Some, uh, in some years, was more closely tied to the St. Paul Winter Carnival. But um, yeah, we've done a winter fashing carnival type party for many, many years.
0: And we'll do this commonly not just here, but also back in the motherland. Uh, Bastian, do you have a carnival season? Köln, I think, is quite famous for it. Yes, it is. The entire region
2: is. Um, If I remember correctly, last time I was on this podcast, I talked a little bit about the Rhineland region and the local rivalries, and that very much extends to carnival as well. Um, Big... Um, Monday parades in all the major cities with different topics, different um, emphases, and even different language.
0: Different language in what sense?
2: In that the um, kind of outburst at these um, and the chants at these parades are different from city to city. There is Alaf in, in Cologne, there is Helau in Düsseldorf just a few miles to the north, and very distinct, different atmosphere that comes with that language.
1: And then the whole point about it being uh, the fifth season, right, Bastian, is Carnival officially starts at 11.11 at 11 o'clock and 11 minutes. So November 11th at 11 o'clock and 11 minutes and lasts till Ash Wednesday. So it lasts several months. And... uh, there's a lot of pomp and circumstance that goes along with that, right? That then culminates with those big, big parades. I mean, where where I'm from in southern Germany, we don't have those huge carnival parades on Rosenmontag or whatever that day is called here. Rose Monday, I think. I don't know. I but believe so. Yeah, it's called Rosenmontag, and uh, you know we do celebrate, but the traditions are a little bit different.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I do see that people that are more involved that are in kind of the clubs because there are true clubs uh, for Carnival Mm -hmm. um, and quite a number of them in each city. And I think the people that are more involved, they celebrate from sometime, well, from November 11th all the way through um, to Ashman Wednesday and have meetings and have planned for the parade and have, um, comedy nights and all kinds of different different events throughout. Whereas I think the average German, the average person um who is not super involved in in the in that entire process really then joins that culmination, the big parties, the big parades, um at the end in February.
1: Right. Le- leading up to it. February or March, depending on when it falls, it's the last day is Ash Wednesday which uh you know is is also a sort of religious holiday it's 40 days to Easter then right so it it all ties to some of the church calendar in those dates
0: which is quite interesting because we do this a little bit different in Austria we don't necessarily have the big carnival parade we do have carnival events particularly Villach which is a small city in southern Austria, about uh, 10 miles uh, from the Italian border. They do have the Villach Fasching, the Villacher Fasching, so the Villacher Carnival, uh, takes place over essentially a couple of months, starting on January 10th with the premiere and then lasts until February 15th. And it is broadcast actually throughout all of Europe. It's, It's sort of the Austrian prime event when it's about Carnival. Vienna, on the other hand, the capital of Austria, where you would expect to have a little more momentum, is more known for its ball season, which is just beyond any description. 450 individual balls throughout the season, starting from November throughout February.
1: And when you speak about balls, Mm -hmm. help me understand what what that means. Is it just where people go to dance, or is it very formal, a lot of etiquette, a lot of uh, tradition behind those?
0: Let's go back to... I think 1850, 1860, somewhere in that neighborhood. The, uh, the balls themselves back then were sort of for the high society and the commoners were locked out. Until back then, the emperor decided, well, hang on a second, this is probably not how we should conduct ourselves. And they opened up the imperial palace to the commoners and started to essentially invite people in by association. And nowadays, anyone who is represented by some form of guilt be this the uh, chimney sweepers, the flower merchants, the uh, sugar bakers, the confectioners. Everybody has a ball, and each ball has different stipulations. Either you're showing up with a mask or with a ball gown or with a tux or with something that is more reminiscent of your association, for instance, a military ball, the officer's ball. And this is then essentially how it's, it grew, and it grew to 450 balls, and each ball – has sort of the same kind of pattern, if you will. In the beginning, there is a dance, and the dance is uh, conducted by select individuals to an opening waltz. And then the conductor screams into the masses, alles walzer!" so everybody waltz. And that is the, if you will, formal icebreaker. Everybody rushes on the dance floor, does the little Vienna Danube waltz, uh, der blaue Donauwalzer. And this is officially the beginning of the individual event. And it goes throughout the night, usually until 3, 4 a.m. Then we Uber home because driving might not be the safest thing. And the ball ends, actually, also with a waltz that is just played at a much slower speed. And at that point, everybody knows it's over. And we do this 450 times a year.
1: a season. Yeah, yeah. In all in Vienna, within yeah. like a period of a few months. Correct. Wow. Yeah, it's not quite that formal, in uh, in you know in Germany again in southern Germany where I'm from, we generally call it Fasching or Fasnet, which is more of the uh, along like the Rhine and in Baden, and there are a lot of different traditions with wooden masks and and those kinds of things, but it just tends to be more of a dress up and party. And, uh, you know, I'm pretty sure there's a long um, pagan history to some of these events and these programs. The big thing, though, that does happen also on the Thursday before Rose and Moontag or before Rose Monday is the Fashing, And uh, what that means is women go out and cut men's ties. And uh, it's it's a way just for you know for for the women to to have kind of their own day and their own uh, party on the on that Thursday before the big Monday parades.
0: Something I've never heard of. Note to self: Don't wear a tie in Germany.
2: Well, actually, <laughs> on, people do wear ties on purpose. Um, on on purpose. purpose,
0: like those that are well versed in the
2: in the carnival cities. Um, will wear ties and not the ties that they particularly like. Correct. Uh Um, This is called Weiberfastnacht. The Mm Weiberfasching. Yep, Um, in the Rhineland. And I know from at least in Düsseldorf, um, there is a more or less official procession to um, City Hall where they will then um, in the morning, mid-morning, cut off the tie of um the mayor
1: yeah if the mayor is a man or you know so so that's that's the other part right and that you mentioned that there's a political component to Fasching or to Carnival to like some of the speeches and and some of the big events in the big Carnival cities like Düsseldorf or Köln in Wiesbaden or or not Wiesbaden Mainz I'm sorry Germans (laughs) I'm very sorry Mainz and Köln Uh, um so, they're, they're, they're big public events, and political satire is, is a really, really big part of that. And, uh, and some of that is also done by people who are dressed up. But basically, being able to say what you want uh, um, without punishment was part of the tradition of Carnival and Fashing, where again, the lords and the and the high society allowed, or the kings allowed, the commoners to to say things or to act in a manner that, in times other than carnival fashing, would have resulted in punishment. So that there's a whole history behind that in in how people act and the speeches and the things that are said.
0: We do have something similar, perhaps it's called the uh, pranga redna, the pillory speaker. It's essentially a monologue uh, that is being played out by one identified individual. That person, of course, prepares. It's usually sort of a stand-up comedy kind of idea, so very well prepared. And it fires at everyone and everything without any repercussions, which usually would get you into the uh, headlines on the front pages for all kinds of violations of conduct, if you will, and just being... In people's faces. And I think that's the one day, for instance, this Villacher Fasching, so this uh, event in southern Austria that is being broadcast, where that particular person really gets away with saying things that you normally would not say.
2: That part actually bleeds into German, like the real German politics. Right. Um, The politische politische Aschermittwoch, the political Ash Wednesday, being the day where uh, the large parties um usually have these meetings where there are these speeches given that are a lot more direct a lot more unfiltered than you would usually hear throughout the year
0: and that is the one day where that is considered okay interesting and is has that been politicized yet or is it still kept in sort of the uh the carnival spirit if you will i think it's somewhere in between <laughs> okay to be honest uh because
2: obviously whatever is said there if it's if it's by like leading politicians, it will enter the discourse um but it's certainly the more one of the more confrontational days and and by convention seen as as such,
0: so I think it's expected to sure. an extent as far as I can remember, the uh prangari so the the pillory speaker, if you will was purposely chosen to be somebody who is what we would commonly nowadays call like a blue-collar worker, somebody from the not upper class, somebody who really has to get by with manual labor, paycheck to paycheck, and really experiences the difficulties of, of normal life, if you will. And that person was then invited onto the stage and just really lay them out so, to dry, if you will. And I think to this day, we have managed to not make this a political fest for somebody to accentuate their political purpose, but really for this one person to just do this roundhouse swing and just go after everyone, I suppose. That was sort of the idea behind that.
1: Okay. Yeah.
0: Sounds like the Austrians have kept that more contained for now for now for now now. subject to change probably as we as time goes by but then again uh, this has been going on for quite some time now so so perhaps uh, perhaps we can keep it this way Uh, do you guys actually have uh, princesses and princess uh, for for your carnival events
1: yeah so those big carnival clubs that Bastian was talking about they usually have that that they have the royal court and and that Mm-hmm. all happens uh, then on that November date and where the royal court presides for the carnival season from November 11th through the end of it. Um, the norm, not the normal, the average, most people in, in Germany really don't belong or don't participate in, the, in in that royal court thing. They just go and dress up and... Um, and go to a party but yeah they are they are with the carnival clubs they have you know the prince and princess and king and queen mm-hmm. and and all that kind of stuff
0: do you happen to recall how much the uh tickets cost
1: to just, some of those big events it's not even just how much they cost you're on waiting lists my i mean i have relatives my cousin lives uh in uh, in an area close to Mainz where they have one of these big events. And I mean, they're, they're waiting lists and these these uh, events are not cheap. I know there are hundreds of euros to get in. Um,
2: Not speaking against that, but I'm also just maybe to take this a little bit away from the money portion. Mm-hmm. It is in huge demand. These events are in huge yeah. demand. One of the really, <clears throat> excuse me, really big um, celebrations around that time in Köln is actually hosted by a local TV station um, and they have like an entire day where they broadcast live from their headquarters and they have like a f- more informal, more formal part to it in the evening it gets more formal and those events um, very much wait list uh, oftentimes you can only win tickets or it's by invitation only Where money is not even really the the issue, it's more just space and interest. There's a huge demand for for some of those signature events, in my experience.
1: Yep, and that's a good point, right, to call them signature events, because those are really just in the bigger cities. But just about every town, large and small, will have its own carnival or fashing celebration. Usually it's then the Saturday before or you know because people do actually have to work and in some towns the shops may be closed part of the day on that monday when the parades are going on but fashing or carnival is not an official holiday even though you know there's Again, within discretion, you know, some places are closed. But so the weekend before is when a lot of the parties are happening, and and it's just costume parties everywhere. So it's not like Halloween here, where people tend to go more to private parties or to people's mm-hmm. houses. It's it's public parties at like the local community center or the local gym or whatever, and there are bands playing, and there are ba- there's an open bar. And, uh, you know, and it usually costs money to get in and it's just a huge public party and towns large and small. that's that's my experience.
2: Absolutely. As I was preparing for this, I was actually asking myself, is it a holiday or is it not a holiday? Not officially. And I could have I could have sworn that it actually is. I, and in I current
1: th- that might be the case. <laughs> Yeah. I can I can
2: actually not remember. I remember different cities in the area, and I remember kids, it as a kid.
1: Kids get time off school. But... I
2: I also remember it working, and I in my working during my working life, and I don't recall ever having gone to school or work
1: on school, that Monday. Sc- yeah, and I think that Monday might be the only day that maybe a partial holiday or or a holiday in some of the towns. And yeah. kids usually tend to get a few days off for fashion yeah. yeah
2: i remember missing work on that tuesday <laughs> when i was definitely supposed to but i do not recall <laughs> ever having been expected to yep. work on that monday yeah
1: nope yeah a lot of people yeah might miss well I can, I
0: can see that people just schedule a vacation day for after yep. when they know that they're going to attend uh, a carnival event or a yep. ball event uh just to to take this uh back to money just for a second I think the cheapest ball in Vienna is the Concordia ball, which is essentially a press ball for the Associated Press, if you will. And student tickets are 40 euros. Uh, any other ball that I've looked up starts at a minimum at $100, if you can even get a ticket. Right. And for some of those balls, the academics ball, uh, the officers ball, the chimney sweepers and the confectioners and the flowers. What
1: about the balls of all balls, like the Vienna Open Ball, yeah, the luck. Vienna Opera ball? Right? That's,
0: that's like getting a ticket to the Green Bay Packers.
1: Uh, (laughs) a season season ticket. Um,
0: Now, the the, the ball of all balls, the the quote-unquote world-famous Open Ball, so the uh, ball at the State Opera House in downtown Vienna, uh, years of waiting list. However, and uh, I've actually been talking with my dad about this uh, coincidentally last year, as a tourist, as a foreigner, so to speak, you actually have a higher likelihood of getting a ticket to the ball than if you are a local because some of the tourist bureaus And the travel agents have have some tickets. Exactly. They have some tickets assigned to them, they hold them back, and there is perhaps a chance that you can get one of those tickets. And the, I think, big draw would be not just obviously to experience the action, but also get behind the scenes at the Vienna Opera House, which under normal circumstances is, of course, completely taboo. So you can't get behind the scenes. In that one instance, the entire Opera House is essentially open to the public, and you can just really just go to town and yes. quite literally, because when you're done at the Vienna opera house, you just step out at 4am and you go to breakfast, which we have uh, plenty of opportunity to do so. So yeah, quite interesting uh, to just think about 450 different balls that that makes for a heavy social calendar. Yeah.
1: So, you know, so I, I you know, in, in a way I just kind of want to encourage people, you know, Oktoberfest is obviously world known and people tend to travel to Germany for Oktoberfest, but you know, maybe take a trip earlier in the year and, you know, in, in wintertime, you know, around February or March, depending on when, when Fasching and Carnival is and go to some of these bigger cities like Köln or Mainz or go to Vienna or Villach and, uh, and um, participate and experience Carnival season because it is something, there is nothing like it here in the U.S. I mean, Marty, Mardi Gras, but that's very much contained to one city, and it and it is quite different. But uh, you know, you might be very surprised that that, as Gunter mentioned in the intro, you know, us Central Europeans, who are usually fairly straight faced and buttoned up, you know, will will find a whole season to uh, to celebrate and party and uh, be silly, be crazy, dress up in any which way, and uh, and and go to these uh, fashion and Carnival events? I
0: think there are some grassroots attempts in Chicago, Detroit, and I believe one in Washington and L.A. of all places, surprisingly, that are trying to replicate the Viennese-style ball. I don't have a lot of information on that, but I'm sure there is stuff available online. So if you have some travel reward points and you want to go partying Viennese-style... Bring your tux, book that ticket, and hop on over to Detroit and uh, see that you can get out get out of this without einen Kater zu haben, which is our segue into one of the most requested things. Einen Kater haben is one of those German idioms, and that's our second portion of today. Time and again, um, some of uh, my students in class, and I'm guessing Bastian as well. Absolutely. We were asked uh, to... Not just teach German, but also what are the things that are not in the books, uh, things that uh, we use commonly, the idioms, the things that perhaps are a little more challenging to translate. So one of those would be einen Kater haben, which verbatim would translate to have a cat.
1: A male cat.
0: A male cat, correct. But it really just means to be hungover.
1: Very hungover, yes. Mm-hmm.
0: So when you get out of the ball season in your tucks, and then the next day you are heavily dependent on anything or everything, uh, etc., and... Water that would be the hangover oder einen Kater haben.
1: Or as Bastian said, on those Tuesdays when he didn't make it to work after <laughs> yep. Carnival Monday, he probably had a hangover or einen Kater. Mm-hmm. Hey,
2: einen Kater haben is really just another version of Muskelkater haben, which right. is to be sore, have sore muscles.
1: Right. Oh. So
2: really, einen Kater haben. Is just another version of that, maybe it's your brain that's sore,
1: yes, in this case your your whole body <laughs> it's not just in your muscles yeah so so for today, since you know we we talked about uh the the cat or the male cat that you have after you drink too much, all of the idioms we're going to talk about today are related. Uh, to uh, to animals and uh, have something with an with an animal with it, and uh, I'll pick one. And uh, this one is called "Mit den Wölfen heulen." "Mit den Wölfen heulen" means to howl with the wolves, which is somebody who really doesn't have his or her own opinion, it's, uh, it's always easier to kind of just follow along with the crowd and to to do what other people do. So in Germany, somebody who agrees with other not so much with agrees with other people, but who just always goes along with other people and always follows the crowd that person would be considered somebody who howls with the wolves or mit den
0: It would potentially be more of a statement behind somebody's back, though, right? Well, you that, wouldn't necessarily say that to somebody's
1: face. Well, maybe, yeah, correct. Or here, you know, it kind of goes along with somebody when they talk about, you know... If they jump off a cliff, would you jump off a cliff right? It's kind right. of that that kind of that blind follower thing, so yeah, maybe not something that you would necessarily say to somebody's face unless you were in a conversation with them in you know where 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 this would come up yeah mm-hmm.
0: bastian which animal which animal do you we choose? Well, the vegetarian of the
2: group picked all the violent ones <laughs> um I put the violent in quotation marks um because it's They are all real idioms, and they're not that bad. Um, (laughs) I'm going to start with my favorite one, the one that I really pushed for hard to have included, um, which goes like this. Da wird der Hund in der Pfanne verrückt, which means that the dog goes crazy in the frying pan. Let's just resonate on this for a second. (laughs) Okay. Let it breathe. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Let
0: it sizzle. Yes. Okay. <laughs>
2: hey, nobody's saying that the pan is already on the on the stove. Okay. Um it's some what it means is that somebody is totally and wholly surprised and taken aback by something. Uh when chances are extremely slim um of something happening, and then you just shout out Da wird der Hund in der Pfanne verlicht. Um my little research sheet here in front of me is telling me that it really goes back um, to a misunderstanding um, of somebody hearing the name of a dog when really an ingredient that was actually supposed to go in a pan um, was mentioned. Um, I'm not going to go any further than that because I don't want to demystify it too much. (laughs) I would rather picture the dog going crazy in the frying pan,
0: not being fried, just going crazy. Just going crazy. Just the, the anticipation alone. Exactly. Okay. Um, let's see. I do have three more to choose from. Let's take this one. Auch ein blindes Huhn findet mal ein Korn. For those who are advanced in German, I'm sure you get my just here, my drift. Uh, for those who need a translation, it's a blind chicken also every once in a while finds a seed. Meaning that everybody gets lucky once, and then you just have to know what your luck is to truly capitalize on it. So there's a little bit of, um, I would say, philosophy packed behind this, uh, in a sense that even if you don't do anything or you do very much, that everybody gets lucky once. You just have to pay attention and know when your luck has arrived. It's actually, I think, uh, at least in Austria, it's one of those idioms that we use really frequently.
1: Yeah, it's a very common one yeah. in Germany. And, and it is so common, even though the the whole saying says, uh, says, auch ein blindes Huhn findet einmal ein Korn. Sometimes people just abbreviate it to say ein blindes Huhn. And everybody knows what you're implying. If somebody huh. just got super lucky or something happened, you just call the person ein blindes Huhn a blind chicken. And everybody knows what you mean by saying it. That's how commonly known and popular that saying is
0: but it's usually applied if that person truly gets lucky correct. once but not constantly constantly because correct. if the person gets lucky constantly that would be a a lucky right. mushroom right right
1: right right yeah. yep and
2: yep. and it implies being somewhat unearned luck too, correct yes because the blind chicken is usually not the most
1: skillful
0: yes yeah so basically you throw everything against the wall and hope that something sticks
1: yeah, or to find a, yeah. a piece of corn, yeah. yes, or yes. a piece a piece of something seed. Um, I have one that actually has some historical uh, background that I uh, realized. is it's called Mich laust der Affe," <laughs> uh, and literally translated, it means "there's a monkey on your back who's picking the lice off you," and uh, it's again a expression of surprise and um, and uh, Incredulous behavior, where you know something happens, and you say, "Wow!" Ich mich Wow! I'm very surprised. This, this, this happens, and it actually dates back to the um, uh, uh, to the markets in in former centuries, where some of the um, um, people, like like the organ grinders or something, had a little monkey with them, and once in a while, the monkey would jump from the organ. Onto the spectators and start picking the lice, or start pretending to pick um, something off the spectators, which you know came to their surprise, and they would, you know, call out uh, that 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 they were astonished that that happened. But so that kind of came to be a a saying about you know astonishment or surprise, something unexpected happened when the monkey from the organ grinder would jump as you're watching. (laughs) Ich glaub mich laus der Affe.
2: All right, I'm going to stick with the surprise element (laughs) and I'm going to bring the frying back, the (laughs) the frying pan. Um, My next one is Da brat mir einer einen Storch. So there is a stork being fried. And again, this is the element of surprise. Someone totally in disbelief and this goes back, and this actually makes a good amount of sense to me um This goes back to um days when stork were were considered like lucky birds bringing bringing children, being good luck when you have one nesting on your roof, so the last thing you would wanna do is get rid of that bird, that particular bird on your roof um So the idea of, like, firing up the chimney, kind of, like, getting rid of these birds with smoke, with whatever, was just completely ridiculous, because why would you do that? And, like, the idea of, like, frying, quote-unquote, the stork on the roof was just unheard of and was just unimaginable, and therefore somebody, like, frying a stork for you is just something where it's like, this cannot be right, this cannot be true. Tastes like chicken.
1: Well, okay. and, no, but the point is right that, and that goes back and all in German folklore that a stork is a lucky bird. Yes, yeah. and that isn't. I don't know that that's something that's here in U.S. history uh, <laughs> as known, but you know, stork stork is lucky and and uh, yeah, it's a sign of fertility and that kind of stuff. Yeah.
0: Okay, einen Frosch im Hals haben. So basically, to have a frog stuck in your throat which really means that you have a dry throat. Uh, Particularly, I would say stage fright also applies to that. Uh, Perhaps being in a situation where suddenly you dry up and uh, the noises that come out of your mouth are more reminiscent uh, of a screech uh, other than really actually really getting the sentence out that you had in mind. However, there is some sense behind this, uh, particularly given the history of the uh, idiom. It goes back to a medical term called ranula. And ranula is essentially the mix of the Latin name for frog, which is rana, and then also a swelling on your tongue, which really makes it difficult to pronounce anything at all. And over time, it became the um, ranula essentially became more or less homegrown. And out of that came. And in frosch im Halshaben, so to have a frog in your throat.
1: I would have thought that that had more to do with that you croak like a frog, right? Like the noise that you make. Could also but, be, yeah. 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 So
2: really, it's a reference to a serious
0: medical condition. Yes, yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't I wouldn't necessarily say serious. <laughs> yeah, uh, but or a medical condition. But a yep. medical condition, yep. nonetheless, that makes it really difficult to speak. And uh, over time, of course... Uh, this was a little, uh, I say, I would say, demystified from medicine and medical terminology to homegrown terminology when people just couldn't express themselves uh, adequately. Yeah. Oh, it makes me
2: wonder if there are specific frog removal doctors.
1: <laughs> Possibly. Um, I, I have another one that uh, that ties a bit more into the season, and it's called. Die Kuh vom Eis holen. Die Kuh vom Eis holen. And it literally translated it means to get the cow off the ice. And poor cow. I know. How did the cow get on the ice? Well, there you go. And is it wearing skates? <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> and hence the issue, right? It, it is dealing with a very, very difficult situation. A cow is a hoofed animal and probably not happy that it's on the ice and probably not willingly or easily willing to move off the ice. So, the coup from Icehorn is a saying that, uh, and I'm sure I don't have the detailed history, but I'm sure it has something to do with the difficulty of getting a large hoofed animal off the ice when. It's scared and doesn't want to come or the ice might also be cracking. So it's dealing with a very tough and difficult situation. If you have to deal with something, you know, you would say to somebody, well, I'm always the one that has to get the cow off the ice. Ich bin immer diejenige, die die Kuh vom Eis holt.
0: My head immediately goes to ice cream.
1: (laughs) No, no. See, I just want the... Not related.
2: I just want the... Uh, cow see playing like see it play hockey, like Winter um, Classic next year. <laughs> sure. <anyone? laughs>
1: I can just see all four legs going out, you know, and the poor cowling splayed on the ice. Goalie, and, yeah.
0: I mean, I- inevitably, I, I would. Some of the terms that we're using here go back. I would say decades, perhaps centuries. hundreds
1: of years. Some of them, may, yeah. maybe absolutely, yep.
0: For many of those, I'm pretty comfortable to say that we actually really don't know the origin, much less that we actually apply them in the context that they used to be applied anymore. They probably have changed over time. Yes, which, absolutely. Which yeah. makes them all uh, so much more entertaining. Oh, absolutely. It's right,
1: right. Because I'm sure, yeah, just like you said with the frog and the throat, you know, I had no idea that that came from the Latin for frog, yeah. frog. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that was quite interesting. Um, the last one that I have, zwei Fliegen mit einer Klappe schlagen. We actually have this in English as well. It's uh, killing two birds with one stone, essentially doing two things and just getting them done in one swift action. Um, whatever situation would apply for that, I can't uh, come up with one right away. But uh, Except,
1: an- you know, we don't kill two birds, we just kill two flies in Germany. Yes,
0: yeah, we are a little less... Um, Brutal in our animal control.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. That, that one is, I think, much more um, relevant in English as well. Yeah,
1: something quite, birds, quite common. Killing two birds or yes. yeah, killing mm-hmm. two flies. Yep.
2: Boston, now, last are, one. Are you prepared to get some um, some angry emails from? The association of fly lovers, yes. or whatever, <laughs> for yeah. saying for saying that that it's the flies yeah. the
0: flies are killing the flies is less violent, yeah. less gruesome than killing the birds. Yeah, except I can imagine that it's really difficult to hit two flies with one stone. That's true, but I'm just saying you don't know how big the fly lobby is around here. <laughs> I, yes. can't, I can't even get one with a newspaper. Right so there, there, you go. There that. So they're yeah. safe from you, is what you're saying. True. Yep. Good. Yes. Yeah. What you
2: got? Um, the animals getting back at us. That's what I got. Um, my final one is ich glaube mich tritt ein Pferd. I think a horse is kicking me. So clearly, all those animals are fed up with us and our little sayings um, and getting back at us violently. Uh, we can pretty much imagine where this comes from, um, like horses do have the capability and some some of them maybe even the tendency uh, for surprise and rash movements with their hind legs. I'm not a horse expert, but I it's, think
1: that is true. Especially when they're startled.
2: Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, so like a hind leg or two flying at you uh, when you're standing at the rear end of a horse is probably a phenomenon that many people have experienced. Um, and once again, this kind of goes back to... to surprise, the element of surprise is in there, like something that really just shakes you um, to your core that you did not see coming. Um, probably not necessarily in the best way, because I'm assuming anyone that has stood behind a horse and seen one of those legs come at you, that's probably not the best feeling.
0: Contextually, would you expect this to be applied in a negative surprise or in a sort of um normal run of the mill kind of oh I'm sorta of surprised or in a positive surprise. Um not definitely
2: not positive. Okay. I mean I wouldn't say like horrible news, but something that is really you did not see that coming. Like your kid comes home from school with like a poor grade that you ge- really didn't see, see coming and you go, Ich glaube mich tritt ein Pferd or mm-hmm. the, I don't know. Like yeah something. it
1: wouldn't be it wouldn't be something that you used if you went in the lottery or if you had a very good news you wouldn't use that. No. It's something yeah. Unforeseen surprise, not necessarily a positive surprise. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. Yep. Well, last but not least, I'm going to go with a smaller animal. And uh, a worm. A, a worm. worm. Da ist der Wurm drin. Which is a saying, again, that is also very common in Germany. in Germany, where you talk about something that's just not working, and you don't know why. You've taken it apart. You've tried to figure it out, and it's just not working it has a worm in it no matter how hard you try and uh you try to fix it but it has a worm in it and it doesn't work and yeah Fair i don't enough. yeah i don't have any i don't have any history but it's truly a head scratcher you just can't figure out why it's not working and uh, might just be a little worm
0: okay that's all it takes I don't think there really is a verbatim English translation for that. Mm. There's a worm in the apple.
1: Yeah, no, but that's something. The worm is in anything. It can be in in anything that doesn't work. You could have a computer that has a worm in it, which obviously isn't the literal translation, or just even a situation. Mm-hmm. It, so it can be applied. I wonder if the computer
2: worm, the virus type thing for computers, if that actually comes comes from that, maybe. Would not be surprising, actually. Good yeah. idea. Maybe. So yeah. anyone out there listening to this who is like IT and IT history savvy, yeah. we would be yeah. curious yeah. to know that.
1: Yeah.
0: Yep. Let us know. Okay. Moving on. Events. We still have things going on. Uh, like I said, uh, again, let me just emphasize uh, the fifth season in Germany, Austria, Switzerland also takes place here at the GEI. It's the Carnival Tanzparty. A night of revelry, German carnival style, February 8th, 8 p.m. through 1 a.m., 21 years and older, 15 bucks per ticket. And you can get those tickets at gi-mn.org forward slash carnival, spelled with a K, carnival. Um, again, the headliners are Electrocutes, Victoria DeVille, Blacklight Disco, and certainly come in amateur Drag Because there is a competition and the Strut Your Stuff to benefit the Just Us health organization. More info is then available at gai-mn.org slash drag. And once again, this is February 8th from 8 p.m. through 1 a.m.
1: Yep. And we do encourage people to go online and uh, register and get tickets beforehand. But there are tickets available at the door and all the information about the event and the uh, um, drag contests are on the website. The other big thing that we have starting in the first week of February are our language classes. And uh, um, our classes for beginners, so people who haven't started, uh, haven't done German, started in January, and the next round is going to start in uh, April. But those of you who've taken some German with us before or uh, in other places previously that are considered advanced beginner or intermediate or advanced speakers, all those classes start in February and All that information is also available on our website at gi mnorg And as always, that's where all the up-to-date details, information about programs, events, languages um, are are available.
0: Well, I think that pretty much wraps it for today. Bastian, you're going to be here for Carnival, the drag show? I will. In drag? Uh,
2: We'll see. We'll see? (laughs) We'll see.
0: All right, this wraps this episode of the GI podcast here and there. Bastian, thanks so much for stopping by. Thank you. Always a pleasure. Claudia, thank you. (laughs) Gern geschehen. We will see, hopefully, all of you on February 8th at the Carnival at the GI. Come in drag or come as you are. Either way is just fine. Drag, of course, is preferred. Otherwise, this is Michael signing off. Until next time, enjoy the fifth season of 2020.